Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about what the RBA has done wrong because I think it's made some big mistakes. And if Australia slips into a recession, uh, which is entirely possible, uh, it's almost entirely because of the RBA and how they've handled uh, the removal of uh, pandemic measures. And I think they've completely botched it and uh, to the detriment of, of borrowers, the economy and the bond market. And that's what I want to talk about today. So firstly, in the RBA's defence, there's two things that I would say. The, the first one is that they've had to navigate you know, uncharted territory over the last two and a half years. Obviously, there's been a lot of uncertainty with a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. And really, at the beginning, no one really knew you know, the duration of lockdowns, you know, how long would have to be locked down for, uh, and also whether uh, the pharma companies would ever be able to come up with a vaccine and, and how quickly it would take them to come up with a vaccine. So uh, those two things, and then also then how severe the, uh, the actual virus was uh, in terms of mortality rate and, and so forth. So there was a lot of uncertainty at the beginning of the pandemic, and there wasn't any really rule book uh, in which the um, RBA could you know, measure decisions or help make decisions. So I guess that's the first thing is to acknowledge that they're kind of flying blind a little bit. Um, the second uh, thing I should acknowledge is what they did do, they did very quickly, and the measures they put in place, I think, were um, well thought out and appropriate. So the, the uh, initial reaction to the pandemic, I think, was excellent. And they did uh, three things, really, the RBA did. The first one is they slashed the uh, cash rate uh, almost to zero, ostensibly to zero. Uh, it got down to 0.1 of a percent. Um, they made a, a, a very large uh, three-quarter of a percent cut in March and then another 15 points uh, in November. So they brought the cash rate down very quickly. The second thing they did is announce what they call a term funding facility, which essentially lent the banks uh, money uh, fixed at a fixed interest rate for three years, uh, and that interest rate was equal to the cash rate, the prevailing cash rate. So for most of that time, they were lending to the banks at uh, 0.1 of a percent fixed for three years, and that allowed the banks then to on-lend that money uh, to borrowers at very cheap uh, fixed rates. Uh, at some points uh, during towards the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021, uh, three, two and three year fixed rates were below 2%. And that gave borrowers some level of certainty uh, and then also improved their um, personal cash flow, particularly for people that you know, ha- had their income impacted by lockdowns and so forth. That was very valuable. Uh, and the last thing they did is what's called yield curve control, which means that they manipulated the bond market so that the three-year bond rate uh, was equal to the cash rate, which means that we had a f- very flat interest rate curve. Uh, and the benefit of that is that uh, it kept borrowing costs low for corporates because often business loans are, are benchmarked to uh, those sorts of rates. Uh, so that all those three measures were implemented very quickly uh, and they were very important and I think very uh, effective. But what it did wrong is I think it made uh, really three critical mistakes. Uh, which we are, as an economy, paying for right now. The, the first one is that the RBA governor 
Philip Lowe, uh, adopted the unusual practice of giving forward interest rate guidance. So that is that he was quite open to saying to the public that the RBA doesn't expect to raise rates until 2024, um, which is uh, unusual because uh, normally central banks, including the RBA, uh, don't like to participate or impact a market uh, or manipulate a market because obviously the market's going to put a lot of weight on their comments. uh, And whilst they're kind of the market makers, if you like, Uh, it's not necessarily a good idea for a central bank to start giving guidance because they really then do affect the market. And you're actually better off uh, to let the free market sort it out. Now, of course, um, Philip Lowe said, look, our our predication of not raising interest rates until 2024 was based on our expectations and and, uh, uh, projections, economic projections, which didn't include... Uh, much higher inflation at the time. Uh, So of course they were conditional, but the point is that he would have been better off remaining silent uh, and not, uh, as it's turned out, um, uh, given the market incorrect indications in terms of what they they expected to do. Uh, The second uh, mistake is that they um, left the cash rate too low for too long. Uh, I think it was really obvious by at least the first half of 2021 that the Australian economy was very resilient, that um, lockdowns did cause some economic pain. You know, um, consumer spending did drop uh, during periods of time when states were in lockdown. But as soon as those lockdowns were lifted, consumer spending mounts back very quickly. And whilst the unemployment rate did did increase, of course, uh, it certainly didn't get out of control. Uh, now, because the RBA left it a little bit too late, they've got to be a bit more aggressive and they've raised uh, rates by 1.75% in only the last four months. Uh, there's only one time in history that they've been a little bit more aggressive than that. Back in 1994, they raised rates by 2.75% over um, five months. So uh, it doesn't really matter. The point is that they've had to be uh, super aggressive now, um, which comes with some risk. And finally, uh, the other, the final mistake, and, and perhaps one of the, you know, really big ones was that they abandoned yield curve control, uh, which which almost sort of crashed the bond market. So when the RBA first um, initiated the yield control when the pandemic broke, what they had to do is go out and buy as many government bonds as they could uh, to reduce the yield down to the cash rate. Um, uh, obviously just basic laws of supply and demand. If there's strong demand, price drops, uh, and therefore the interest rate uh, comes down. It only actually took them 11 days to achieve that, and they had to buy $27 billion of bonds, which sounds like a lot, of, a lot, but really isn't that significant. Once they got the uh, three-year uh, government bond rate down to equal the cash rate, they, there was very little intervention they had to make because it was clear to the market that whatever the bond yield was going to do by itself that the RBA was going to interfere. So really there wasn't a lot of interference in the market. In mid-2021, they announced that they'd start winding back yield curve, yield curve control. Sorry, it's a bit of a mouthful. Um, and, but they completely abandoned it almost without any warning in October 2021. And between September and November 2021, the three-year bond rate increased by tenfold. So it jumped from 0.1% to over 1% uh, 
Um, in really, actually, it did most of that um, increase in, in only a couple of weeks. And that caused bond values to, to crash and really created some problems. I think they could have done that a lot better. Now, of course, uh, we talk about the RBA hiking interest rates uh, so aggressively, um, but we also know that you know in other developed countries, they've been hiking rates too. Uh, my point, though, is that uh, other countries are very different to Australia. So the US Federal Reserve this year has hiked rates by 2.25%, which is significant, and Bank of England by 1.5%. But th these are, are different countries. Inflation readings are higher. Uh, in the US, inflation is 9.1%. In the UK, 9.4%, uh, compared to Australia, which is 61 um, also, importantly, in the US, wage inflation is uh, twice as high as what it is in Australia at 5.4% versus 2.4% here in Australia. And when you have higher wage inflation and higher prices, that's a problem uh, because people have more income to sustain those higher prices. So it's something that they need to jump on relatively quickly. So um, if it's a defense that, look, other countries are hiking rates aggressively too, um, yes, part of that, the reasons are global, um, but also it really is a, a country by country sort of specific response. Now I'm going to get to what I think the RBA should have done um, to, to improve the interest rate management. Uh, I think it's important to point out that uh, I think the RBA has really ruined any prospect of achieving some decent wage inflation. So prior to the pandemic, the RBA was on a course of gradually cutting the cash rate to stimulate the economy to hopefully, in turn, stimulate wage inflation. And there's a lot of commentary around why wage inflation has been low, not only in Australia, but also globally. Uh, and I don't think really there's one thing, one particular thing. Uh, and certainly there's been no agreement uh, across the board in terms of commentators of why uh, why that is. So I guess we're left sort of scratching our heads to some extent. But for what it's worth, my best guess is the reason wages have, uh, haven't have been increasing is twofold. Globalisation of the workforce uh, and technology. So globalisation of the workforce means that Australian businesses, large or small, uh, can go and hire off offshore staff at significantly lower costs. Uh, and, you know, that doesn't impact every uh, industry, occupation or, or role, um, it certainly has any, any impact uh, in the, for Australian wages. Uh, and so that, that's in, uh, something that's sort of been playing through over the last couple of years. And then obviously technology uh, assists in terms of achieving greater efficiency through automation and those sorts of things. Uh, again, that can have an impact on headcount because if I've got a way to you know automate business processes, then I need fewer staff in order to run my business. Uh, I think if the pandemic's taught us one thing, it's that lots of people can do their job almost just as well uh, working from home or in fact any location. So I think uh, the pandemic will probably make uh, workforce globalization uh, worse, not better, uh, in terms of its impact on, on wage inflation. Um, but again, this whole working from home thing uh, still hasn't played out uh, well enough because employers are, are reluctant to uh, require people to come back in the office, particularly while the government, uh, state and federal, are uh, suggesting that people should be working from home. Uh, in that environment, where you've got a government that's interfering and providing that sort of guidance, employers will be reluctant to demand 
uh, staff to return to work. So what we really need in terms of to, to be able to assess whether this work, the, the impact of this work from home thing uh, is the, the government needs to keep out of it eventually, you know, when the health advice is, is appropriate. Uh, and then we'll really see what employers uh, really want their staff to do. And I suspect it's to come back into the office. Um, so because uh, the RBA left hiking rates too late, uh, and now that they've had to hike rates very aggressively, I think the chance of uh, achieving sustainable economic growth that then translates to um, um, sustainable wage inflation, I think that's much further away than what it was at the beginning of the pandemic. So really, in a way, these uh, mistakes that the RBA's made, the three mis- mistakes that I just went through, um, have really come at the cost of all the hard work that they were doing pre-pandemic to create some sustainable wage inflation. Okay, so what should have the RBA done? Well, of course, I'm not the governor of the RBA and I acknowledge that we all make mistakes, but looking back, uh, what could have the RBA done better? Well, firstly, I think they should have stuck to their historic policy of not providing any interest rate guidance. It's what central banks have been doing for decades. And in fact, it reminds me of um, Alan Greenspan, who was the previous... Federal Reserve Chairman once famously said, if you understand what I'm saying, you don't understand what I'm saying. Because he would purposely try and bamboozle his audience by saying a whole lot, but at the same time saying nothing, which I think is kind of humorous. And that's what Governor Lowe should have done. The same thing to kind of avoid the irresponsibility of inviting Australians to believe that interest rates wouldn't change to 2024. The reality is that they, they didn't have... Uh, a strong enough position to be able to um, make that that actually tr- that prediction actually true, and, and then now they find themselves in a situation that they're hiking rates uh, so aggressively, um, it's it's almost uh, misleading, really. Uh, the second thing they should have done is uh, at some time during 2021, probably mid 2021, once they became uh, once it became obvious that the economy was doing well well. Uh, there was actually no basis for ostensibly zero interest rates. And what they could have done then is gradually start increasing the cash rate, maybe only by 0.1 or 0.15 of a percent each month, but just gradually easing that interest rate back up. Um, that would have uh, provided the market to sort of get its head around, you know, higher interest rates uh, rather than uh, hiking them substantially in a very small pace of time. It will also would have also allowed them to measure the impact of higher interest rates on the economy. So they could have kept hiking them as as long as the the economy the economy wasn't wasn't suffering too much, um, and that would have been a, a nice gentle way to to do that. Uh, and finally, and maybe most importantly, uh, they could have dealt with the yield yield curve control thing um, a, a lot better. Instead of virtually abandoning it overnight, they could have gradually sort of reduced their policy of yield curve control. You know, if the RBA is prepared to intervene and manipulate a market and uh, and manipulate the three-year bond yield, uh, then it has the responsibility to move, remove that intervention in a way that minimises market disruption, and, and it certainly didn't do that. So it's almost perfect timing then that Federal Treasurer Chalmers has announced a review of the RBA that will report to the government by March 2023, March next year. Uh, of course, both sides of politics uh, had that as an election promise in terms of the RBA uh, review. 
Uh, it's widely expected that the next uh, board governor will be an external appointment. Uh, uh, really, historically, it's normally been an internal appointment. Um, and there's some commentary around whether that's uh, appropriate, given the, the culture within the RBA. Uh, the other thing that's been bandied about is that the composition of the board might change, uh, have more economists and academics and fewer business people on the board. Um, so there are some of the things that uh, I guess some commentators have, have thought might be the outcome of the review, but it's going to be really uh, interesting to see um, what the recommendations will be. Um, but I don't think uh, Philip Lowe is going to stick around uh, beyond his uh, contract, which uh, finishes in September 2023. OK, so to wrap up, uh, really, the RBA's initial response to the pandemic is really hard to criticise. It acted swiftly. Its in initiatives really helped Australians through what was a really difficult and uncertain time uh, and really preserved the health of the underlying economy at the time. However, its removal of those pandemic support measures couldn't have been more different. Unfortunately, its actions, or maybe lack thereof, uh, cause, will cause some economic pain. Um, although it's likely to be temporary, it's possible that Australia will now slip into a recession because of how aggressively they've increased interest rates to try and attack inflation that's mostly supply-side driven anyway rather than demand-side driven. Uh, and so it's probably going to be ineffective um, but the RBA review, I think, is perfectly timed uh, because at least I think we might be able to learn something from uh, what they've done uh, to hopefully not repeat those same mistakes. OK, that's it from me for this week. Until next week, bye for now.